Hi, welcome to the Fast Life with Diabetes podcast. My name is Lucy Fisher. On this podcast, we'll discuss everything related to intermittent fasting and type 1 and type 2 diabetes. We'll share tips and tricks, and we'll reveal some of the challenges that we've all faced as we go through this journey. We'll also have some fascinating guests that will share their stories. Thanks so much for joining. It's going to be a great show. Also, before we get started, I just want to remind you that I am not a doctor. Before beginning an intermittent fasting protocol or making changes to your medication, I highly recommend that you speak to your doctor. Hi everyone, thanks for listening today. Today we have on April Pinto. April is 42 years old. She's from Texas. And April has been struggling with prediabetes, diabetes for the last four years. When she was diagnosed at that time, she decided to start fasting and got on a keto diet in order to avoid being on medication. However, life got busy again and she grew tired of the keto diet and she basically ignored her diabetes for a while until again, she decided to become serious about it. She has reintroduced fasting and her diet now is not keto. She does eat carbs and she goes into detail about what she eats and how it has worked for her. And it's kind of interesting to get a different perspective because most people that have prediabetes, type two diabetes, it's difficult to have carbs in your diet without seeing meaningful impacts to your blood sugar. For April, she has been able to maintain her blood sugars. Her last A1C was 5.4. Now everybody's body is different. That may work for April, it may not work for you, or it may work for you as well. It's something that you have to try on your own with your own body to see what works. But she uh, she has a very interesting story, a very interesting method for how she manages her diabetes. And it was just such a pleasure to speak to April. She has such a nice way about her. She's such a wonderful, happy person. And I think you're going to really enjoy listening to her tell her story. Hi, April. It's so nice to speak to you today. Thank you so much for having me on. I love your show. Oh, thank you so much. I really can't wait for everybody to hear your story. Before we get into it, though, do you want to just tell everybody a little bit about yourself? Sure. Thank you. Um, I am 42 and I live in Corinth, which is near Dallas, Texas, with my husband. And we have a beautiful 17-year-old senior boy. We have a couple of Chihuahua puppies that are our children. And, well, they're nine and five two. So they're not really puppies. Um, and, um, we have pet chickens, um, and we actually have a house rooster. (laughs) Oh, how fun. So, um, I'm a wedding photographer by profession and, um, we, uh, can probably say a lot of my weight gain is attributed to my profession because I'm constantly surrounded by all the goodies and all the cakes and all the fabulous catering. (laughs) And, um, I, have struggled with obesity for the last goodness, seven years. Um, it seems like I just keep going upward and about three years ago, my doctor who has been my doctor for the last 12 years, um, unfortunately informed me that I was pre-diabetic and, um, I was shocked And I just thought I'm going to be okay. This isn't real. And I really went into denial. So uh, what was your A1C at the time? Did they tell you or did they check your blood sugar? How did it go down? I think it was, it was, I think it was 7.4, which I'm not looking at my records. I'm not sure what that translates to, but I think it was like almost, it was like almost 215. If I, so it was pretty high for me. Um, I've been a vegetarian all almost just since I was a kid and a vegan most of my adult life or all of my adult life. Um, and I, um, she, uh, she joked with me that the reason that I was probably the healthiest obese person she had, um, and that it was probably that the reason I was as healthy as I was, was probably because of the saving grace of being vegan vegetarian. Um, but it didn't seem to stop my weight from continuing to increase. 
Yeah. I mean, I guess you can be, um, I know a lot of vegans too. I mean, I guess you can, you know, be vegan, vegetarian, be obviously be healthy, but you, you know, like a lot of things are vegetarian that are high in carbs and, you know, Dallas, Texas was named number five best places to live for vegans in the world. Do you know why? Because we have a, we have a, we have a vegan Chick-fil-A, we have a vegan Taco Bell and we have everything veganized. I didn't know that. That surprises me. You know, I always assume Texas in, in general is like, you know, barbecue capital. It's so funny. My studio is right next to a barbecue pit. <laughs> <laughs> so, so you're, you, you were surprised to get this diagnosis. Remind me, wait, when was that again? It was pretty recent. Four years ago when it started. And when it started, like, okay. I went into denial. I, I really was just like, this isn't happening. I'm just going to continue living my life and be fine. So you got pre-diabetes four years ago and then you just ignored it. And then three years ago. So I go in regularly for my checkup. She was very disappointed in me. And she said, you know, you're not doing anything about this. It's time for metformin. And I was, I won't even take an ibuprofen. I mean, I am, I'm a natural girl. We garden, we organic garden. We, I mean, we are, I am not the medication person. And so I said, my husband was like, well, you're going to take it or you're going to die. So I took it and I literally felt like I was going to die. Like I thought I was having a heart attack. I had never felt so sick in all of my life. And what's funny is I did not, I had not yet felt sick. So the diabetes or pre-diabetes hadn't started making me feel ill at all. So when you went back in three years, so during that period, so four years ago, you got, you know, you were told you have pre-diabetes, you ignored it. Did you go to the doctor in between that at all? Or Yes. Yeah. She wanted to see me every three months. So she said, okay, she could tell I was kind of in denial. So she said, you know, it's pre-diabetes. It's not yet diabetes full-blown. So you can, I'm going to trust you to diet and exercise and change your life. So I didn't, um, I, I just really denied. I mean, I was in denial, like 100%. And when I went back at three months, she was like, you know, waving her finger at me. And then at six months, it was the same thing. And then by the ninth and the ninth month, she told me, she was like, okay, the next time I see you, if these numbers are better, you are going on pre-diabetes. I mean, on uh, metformin for your pre-diabetes, because it's like teetering on being full-blown diabetic. So she did, she wasn't bluffing and I took it and I'm not kidding. I mean, I felt, I felt like I was having a heart attack. Um, in my previous uh, life, my younger life, when I was thin and healthy, I had um, been diagnosed with a benign cardiac arrhythmia. So I avoid things like coffee ca or caffeine, um, dark chocolate, um, stimulants, uh, things like that. So I don't know if it was because I have that arrhythmia um, that it triggered or what, but I, I literally went to the emergency room. My husband took me to the ER because we thought I was having a heart attack from the metformin. Wow. So you didn't stay on it very long. I take it then maybe only a couple of days or not even. I think I stuck it out oh, nine or 10 days and okay. I, I told, and it was an eye opener for me. And I told her, um, there's no way I, I'm just, I'm not taking it. There's no way. And of course I had a three month follow-up and I didn't make it to the follow-up. I stopped, I told her, I stopped everything. Um, I started opening my eyes, talking to my family I found Jason Fung and he was introducing me to um, a whole new world of options. I mean, first of all, you know, I'm, I was happy. I'm like young and healthy and I thought the world was great. And with my job, I'm always going and moving and climbing. And so I have a physical job. It wasn't like I just sat around all day. So I was really shocked. And it was like, I looked in the mirror and I just saw this beautiful, thin, fabulous person. And that's not at all what was really happening. Like I was morbidly obese and I was the last one to know. And my husband is like, oh, you're beautiful. And my family's like, oh, you're fabulous. And at work, they're like, oh, you're so talented. And I'm like, uh, well, this isn't reality though. I'm dying and I'm sick and no one's no one's making me aware of that. And it's my job to like, and it's not, that's great that I have a loving supportive family, but my doctor was like, hello, are you going to open your eyes now? 
so I, um, I, I found Jason Bung on YouTube and read the diabetes code and just anything I could get my hands on by him. And he introduced me to Thomas DeLauer. Have you heard of him? I haven't. He's huge in the vegan community. He's actually not vegan. He's a bodybuilder, but he's huge in the vegan community. And he particularly supports women and teaches women how to fast and implement intermittent fasting while being vegan, which other doctors would tell you like, okay, you're vegan, fine. Okay, you're going to do something more extreme than vegan, such as fast, mm -mm, not happening. So you had this, like I was at the opposite end where I was, my head is buried in the sand and I was all of a sudden going to uh, be vegan. Plus doc, uh, Dr. F Jason Fung was like, okay, let's be keto. So now you have this vegan keto person. Is it, is it hard to be keto on while being vegan? Not thanks to Thomas DeLauer and Jason Fung. Okay. And, and it makes me mad. It makes me so mad when people say, I quit being vegan because options aren't out there. Every grocery store has a produce section. Like it's possible. But when you say to your doctor, I want to be a keto. And she says, oh, so you're going to start eating meat. And I'm like, no, but that's what the world thinks. The world thought that that's what that had to mean. But Jason uh, and Thomas DeLauer and Jason Fung were like, okay, you can do this. Um, I mean, every, and then the world of beyond, I call beyond and impossible burgers. I don't know if you know the vegan community well, but it's like the the um the wagyu of vegan meat is like impossible and beyond so they have this gluten-free carb almost carb-free protein for vegans now that is easily you know readily available and easily accept um able to acquire so it was super easy well that's good to hear and that's good to you know dispel that myth that if you're vegan, you can't also do keto. I mean, I, I, I can understand how that, that would work, but I, I know in my own diet, I eat a lot of meat and I'm like thinking, okay, if I were vegan, how would I then take it all out? But you, you can do it just like going keto in the first place. It's, you know, you have to change your diet. You have to like research new recipe ideas and things like that. Same thing for you. You have to just change things up a little bit with a vegan tilt to it. Yeah, exactly. And it's funny because like you said, in Texas, everyone is like me, me, me. So uh, my brother's a bodybuilder. My husband could live on meat and potatoes. My dad could live on meat and potatoes. And then there's my mom. My mom is probably my greatest inspiration for my health journey because she was somewhat, oh, I never, I've seen pictures of her. I never thought she was overweight, but she felt overweight in her child, in her younger life. And she became a nutritionist. Um, she's a chef by trade and she, her spin, her is really unique. She takes Southern food that she grew up on that she, that everyone loves and she makes it healthy. So she's always given me this approach or, you know, taught me this approach that anything you want in life, whether it's pizza or a chicken fried steak and French fries, you can have a healthy version of it. That's true. I like that. That's really cool that you grew up, you know, that you have a mom like that, that can do that. <laughs> yeah, we grew up with the garden and it was amazing. And um, so going back to what you were asking, um, Jason Fung introduced me to this whole new world. So I became, uh, I was like, oh, I can, I can be keto. Keto was like unheard of for me for a vegan. I didn't think it was possible. So I, I did, I went from 270 pounds with a seven point, about a 7.4 blood sugar. And I'm not kidding. Six months later, I was 208 pounds. I was not diabetic. I was not pre-diabetic. My doctor was like, where, who, who is the, who are you? Where, where'd April go? Like, this isn't real. I mean, I couldn't believe it. I was, I had the inner, I mean, I was a new person. Like I was doing vegan and keto. Well, listen to this. I started doing vegan keto, well, keto, and I'm having like the palmini carb-free noodles and I make, and I'm have my mother in my mind and I'm making all the stuff and I'm a foodie. Okay. So I'm like in the kitchen making vegan keto lasagna, vegan keto chicken alfredo, you know, vegan keto enchiladas. So I'm living good. I'm not like eating chicken breast and salad. So I'm having so much fun with it and I'm getting passionate about it. Well, 
I got really depressed because even though I was having fun with it, it was a lot of work, but I did go back to my doctor and she was thrilled and the diabetes was gone. And I thought life had been cured. I had been cured and life was going to be fine. So you, this was six months ago that that not from today. For, so that was six months into three years ago. So like, okay. so two and a half years ago. Oh, okay. So you found Dr. Jason Fung like a, a pretty long time ago and then you did it for a while and then you got, it turned out to be too much work. You abandoned it for a while and then you came back to it. Is that what happened? Kind of. I was, yes, that's pretty, I mean, it was awful. It was kind of an introduction to the world of fasting, but I, it was like in the background, I wasn't really paying attention to the fasting part. So this is a true story. I'm all of a sudden, like I went from, you know, uh, sitting around, you know, for fun, I'd take my dogs for a walk for a mile. Well, I went from that just because I had all the keto energy to like slowly, but surely I was like, I'm not hungry. I'm not going to eat breakfast. Oh, uh, I'm not hungry. I don't really want dinner. I had a nice lunch. And my husband was like, you're eating like once a day. And I was like, I don't mean to, but yeah. So I'm Googling, can you eat once a day? Can you eat once a day? Jason Fung, keto. Can you eat once a day with Jason Fung and keto? And I'm, and I find OMAD and I'm like, there's a whole freaking community of these people out here. So I'm like, is this how everybody found it? I don't know. Yeah. It's, it's kind of funny that you came to one meal a day in that way. I kind of did the same thing. Like I just kept shortening it. Well, I didn't, I didn't unintentionally skip eating meals, but I just started shortening and shortening and shortening. And I was like, Oh, I feel pretty good at one meal a day. I don't feel like I need more. Do you feel like you're deprived at all? Or do you feel pretty happy with just the one meal? Well, that was then. And, and I was having, like, I'd wake up and I'd have a giant glass of electrolyte, um, sugar water, you know, and I'd have, I loved jigsaw. It was the best. It made me feel good, but I had so much energy. I was liking now, like six to 10 miles every day. So I was feeling great. I was like on fire. And then I got COVID six months into it. I got COVID. I went from 270 to 208. I was doing one meal a day unintentionally, but I wasn't clean fasting. I was drinking the electrolytes. And then for like a brunch, I would, my husband was like, you can't just not eat. So I would make a giant protein shake, like a sun warrior protein was my favorite with like plant peptides and all of the goodies. And then I would have my lunch and then I would do the same thing for like dinner. I would have like a shake. So I was, I guess they call it like dirty fasting now or what have you. Well, got COVID and I tried to hike after I got better and I couldn't, I, I did, I, my lungs didn't have the capacity. So I got really depressed and I threw in the towel, but side note, my doctor is 1000% convinced that the reason COVID that there is a direct correlation between people who are fasting or, and on keto and COVID and how their body heals quicker. So that's a whole nother rabbit hole, but that was, I, I was like, Oh, COVID's great. I'm fine. But it's because she thinks it's because of the lifestyle I was living. So I went from, are you ready for this? You're going to faint. I went yeah. from 208 pounds in not even a year in like 10, 11 months after quitting keto, because I was like, oh, I can't hike. I'm just going to quit, quit it all. I'm going to eat all the things again to 280 pounds. Oh gosh, that's rough. And I didn't even know I was, I was in denial again. I slipped right back into my old habit. And you know, years of obesity compared to six months of a good life, not, it's not that hard to believe that I could just forget about it, but I did. Yeah. I mean, I, and it must've, did you feel really tired? Were you able to work as well? Like, did you, were just things falling apart for you or how did that go? It was, I mean, I'm this, I mean, you can probably tell by talking to me, I'm a, I'm always up here. I'm always high, happy, alert. I wake up uh, when the sun rises and I'm like, woohoo, you know, every day. So it's hard to, for people to hear I was depressed, but I, deep down, I was hopeless. I was depressed at my health. I, it, I literally got, you know, that, what is that movie fat, sick and nearly dead or whatever that. Yeah. Mm-hmm. That's what I think. I kept hearing that in my head. I'm like, that's how I feel. 
I woke up and my diabetes had gotten so, and let me say, where is the doctor and all this is what people are probably wondering. She took me off of the three, six, nine, 12 review because our monthly update or updates, because I had gotten so great. So she was like, Oh, I'll see you next year. Keep doing what you're doing. So had, had I been seeing her, maybe she would have slapped me, but, um, I, uh, I did, I, my, I literally woke up. I, I knew my diet, my pre-diabetes came back because I don't know if, I don't know if it's the same for type one, but do you ever feel like your blood is hot with type one? Um, I don't feel hot, like it's hot, but you know what I do know is like when I prick my finger, if it's high, it comes out like ketchup almost like it's just very thick. thick. Yeah. yeah. Mm, yes. There, I, I try to study your type. Um, because diabetes runs in my family. And so I, I try to learn about both, but it's so different. It's almost like they're two different diseases, but with type two, um, I've often heard this and I never understood it until I felt it, but I literally would wake up and I remember it was December. I remember after I had COVID, it was like December and, and my husband was so cold and he was like, Oh, and I was so hot. And I would wake up at like, and go outside with just shorts and a tank top on because my blood literally felt like it was boiling from, and it was because of my doctor says it was because of the diabetes. Oh, how interesting. So I felt achy. My inflammation was out of control at work. I have a team that works with me. And if it wasn't for my team, I mean, there were things that I would do, climb on a ladder, lay on my belly, you know, jump this fence for work because you do anything for the shot. Right. And we're wedding photographers. So we were doing it all. And I got to where I was having my assistant go to the second floor for me or go downstairs and get me a case because I was too unfit. I would have to stop after climbing three stairs. My joints ached, my knees hurt. I was in pain where I wanted to just sit in the hot tub and cry every night. So you, so you knew your pre-diabetes had come back, but did you just avoid going to the doctor because you just didn't want to face it or, or what happened there? I did. Work was so hot. It was after COVID was, people thought, well, and I don't know where, it, I don't know about the rest of the world, but the wedding industry was insane during COVID. So we were, I was working so much. I mean, we had four weddings a week. I mean, I was slammed with work. So I wasn't paying attention. I was just burying my, my life in work. I was just working. And my kid was a, you know, he was like active in school and bam. So we were just, you know, we're just busy, busy, busy. So I just was, yeah, I guess I went back into denial phase. So I wasn't paying attention and it, I just kept going up and up and up and up. And when I hit, um, I hit 280 and I mean, when I say I, I had this weird cirrhosis developing, like on my elbows, it was, it was uncomfortable and it hurt. I had been, oh, I had skin tags developing all over my body, which I didn't have before. I mean, I was at my all time worst. I was at my lowest of lows. It was awful. Oh, I'm sorry to hear that. What a painful story to have to tell and hear, you know? And so you went back to the doctor. You were, were you 280 pounds at that time or? Okay. Uh, no, before I went, so I just went to the doctor in January, the beginning of this month. And I was excited. I was like counting down to see her. Whereas before I was avoiding seeing her, my husband and I love to camp and we're out camping in September, uh, like a farewell to the summer kind of thing. And I'm laying in bed and I'm at this point, totally still in denial about my diabetes. And I'm just like living with it. And I'm aware that it's happening. I'm aware that I feel like death. We went to the hill country in Texas, which everyone loves. And it is the hill country. So everywhere you go, it's a hill. And we were tubing the river and the Guadalupe river. And it's gorgeous. And my best friend was with us and it should have been an amazing time. And it was, I couldn't get down to that tube without stopping 10 times to the river to tube. I mean, I was, and, and I, I felt so bad and so unhealthy. And my best friend is 10 years older than me. And she was like flying up and down and she's had knee replacement. So I'm like, I'm, I'm, I'm pitiful. Like this is pitiful. So I'm laying in bed that night. And I think God really communicated to me. And I'm a devout, deep Christian, like wildly in love with Jesus. I'm always in tune. So I'm praying every night, like, please heal me from this and like, give me something. And I'm laying in bed and I'm not making this up. It's an infomercial and they're talking blah, blah, blah. And all I heard is, um, what is it called? Dialysis from type two diabetes. If you're on dialysis from type two diabetes, and I sat up in the middle of my cabin in the middle of the night, and I'm like, 
did he just say I could be on dialysis dialysis from type two diabetes? And it was like, just like that, just like before with finding Jace, it was an eye opener. And I was envisioning, you know, not being at my kid's graduation from college and not being there when he got married and not being there with my husband and my dogs and all the things, you know, that we want to be there for. And the next day I came home. This is the funniest story. This is how I found the lifestyle I'm on now. I'm, I get on YouTube and I'm Googling, um, I, I was like, I was thinking April, what, what worked, what, what worked for me was one meal a day. You know, I didn't know it was OMAD, um, keto. And I knew I never wanted to do keto again because I was so deprived. I mean, we have, literally have this place here that is like, I call it the vegan Chick-fil-A. You get it all the good things you could never get before. I've been a vegan in Dallas my whole life and I could not get any of this before. I'm not going to turn my back on all this amazing opportunity and fun stuff. And I know it might sound stupid, like just give up food, but I'm a foodie. I don't want to live a life where I can't have what I want sometimes, not indulgently, but you know, and so I'm Googling on YouTube. Can I eat one meal a day without doing keto? Can I eat one meal a day and eat whatever I want? Enjoy your, I'm Googling all the fun things and everything is on YouTube. And I find Jackie, your fasting foodie friend. Have you ever heard of her? She's hilarious. She's a mom. She's authentic and just real. And she is an O-matter through Jen Stevens's method. Oh, love Jen. And she it has this whole community where um, she lives and has lost weight and it has healed herself of fatty liver and all of these other things through living a, uh, an intermittent fasting lifestyle while eating whatever she wants. And that's what, how I found her Googling, eat whatever I want while eating one meal a day. So I'm like, God brought you to me, Jackie. <laughs> so you're now, this is, this is what you do now. You do the one meal a day and you eat whatever you want within reason. I assume you had to cut some carbs. Otherwise your diabetes would still kick up. No. You would think so. Yeah. So I saw my doctor in January after now, mind you, September 19th is the day I started this. I was 280. My blood sugar was September so 19th high. of 2022. Yes. Okay. Okay. Yep. Just so everybody can yes. follow along. Yes. yes. Okay. 2022. So I've today is, I have a chart today is my 128th day doing this. Wow. Okay. And, um, I, my blood sugar was off the charts. It was like over seven, four. I didn't even, I didn't even know at that point because I hadn't gone to see her. I was just doing my, my glucose at home. Your A1C was 7.4. Okay. I, yes. My, and, uh -huh. um, it was like reading like 150 at home, which was yeah. not good. That makes sense. Yeah. It's really bad for me. Uh, because yeah. that, that means I'm just managing my diabetes. That doesn't mean I'm not diabetic. So, started that. So as of January, when I saw her, it was at 5.6. Now it's at five point. I think it's at 5.4 right now. Oh, amazing. Oh, and I'm down from 280 to 233. Incredible. She was floored. She was so, because she didn't know the in-between story. Yeah. So I, no, she did. She, but not every three months, only one year, only okay. one year. But so she knew it was bad and we talk, but, um, she was so happy. She was elated because she, she's such a great doctor and she was very happy. And so she was like, listen, keep doing this, keep doing this forever. Like do this for life. But yes. Yeah, so, um, I started watching Jackie on YouTube and found, she introduced me to Jen Stevens. I had never heard of her. I don't know how I never found her through Jason Fung, but different world, I suppose. And I immediately grabbed fast feeds repeat. I immediately read delay, don't deny. Then I read, uh, started following all of the podcasts. And I had been, I, that's how I found your podcast. When I, you're very, I don't know if you're, you know this, but you're very tightly knitted into the Jen Stevens community. Did you know that? Yeah. Uh -huh. Yeah. So you're like, um, I found you guys. And then I, I just started hard and I knew I wanted to do one meal a day. I'm an all or nothing person. So people ask, well, did you build up to it? And true, when I did keto before, I accidentally stumbled into it by my by listening to my body. But this time I knew 
And after, as soon as I, and I read, I read Fast Feast Repeat on the way home from a road trip. And by the time I got home, I was like, okay, this is my life now. And I didn't tell, and I didn't even tell my husband and I tell him everything for one month because I knew what everyone was going to think, you know, what we all think like, oh, here she goes again, or what is it today? Or so, um, I didn't even tell, I didn't tell a soul. I just started doing it. I started doing, uh, the one meal a day I didn't. And, but I followed Jackie. Jackie is amazing to me because she gave me, I saw her YouTube videos where she transformed without deprivation of keto. And I had never known that you could do that. Okay. I'm so curious about this. Can you describe for me just an example of a meal that you might eat yeah. following the Jackie approach? The Jackie approach. Yesterday I ate fried artichoke fritters that I made myself. They were amazing. They had flour in them. Granted, it was gluten-free flour, but it was still flour. My husband's gluten-free. So a lot of my stuff and a lot of stuff here is gluten-free, even though I'm, I love gluten. But just a small amount of flour just for the frying. No, I dumped a, like a cup in there. Oh, okay. Okay. Making like a fatty Pakura style fritter. It was great. Okay. They were like this big. And then okay. I made vegan whole fat ranch from scratch just because it tastes amazing for my dipping and then for my meal now yesterday was a pretty I mean I I eat what my body wants yesterday I wanted a taco salad so I had the romaine and uh vegan cheese and I had a ton of the impossible grounds sour cream salsa and then I know that sounds healthy but then when I finished I ate a huge piece of pie and I have no regrets. And I of, do like regular pie, not made with almond flour. It was not gluten-free. It was not gluten-free. It wasn't low carb either. Heck no. It probably has 50 carbs in it. it Interesting. Amazing. And I, and I tested this because I thought, okay, just because you can enjoy what you choose to enjoy, doesn't mean that you can go crazy. I mean, I'm not going to eat Twinkies and Doritos every day, but I don't want Twinkies and Doritos, even as a vegan on before all of this, I mean, even just way before I love, I mean, I eat vegetables more than anything. I eat kale, kale leafy greens are my number one go-to in life. I love, if I had to choose two foods, it would be regular water and leafy greens. Those are what I want, but I also want vegan pizza and vegan fried chicken and vegan French fries. And, you know, I want it all. So like I said, I'm a true foodie. So, um, the day before yesterday, and then I had a meal this Monday on Monday, just because I was trying that out. But, um, another example is like, I might have pizza and my, my life has changed. So I don't want to jump the gun much. So you, you don't need a low carb type pizza. You don't make it on the low carb type crust. None no. of that. You just eat like, you could eat like a pizza from Domino's or something. I don't like Domino's, but I did get one from, pizza. I mean, not from Domino's cause it's not vegan, but yeah, no, but yes, no, but yeah, but here where we live, you can get dairy free at pizza hut. I'm telling you Dallas is veganized. <laughs> Interesting. So, I'm, I'm so curious about this because it really, it, it's, I'm struggling to make sense of it because this is counter to what I've ever experienced for myself and other type twos that I've known to be able yes, to eat carbs. Me too. And I'm yeah. not going to lie. Sometimes when I'm listening to podcasts, I cringe every, I have PTSD from keto. I loved keto. It was good for me. I got skinny. I got so skinny so fast that I didn't recognize myself. My body thrives on keto, but I don't become, I become sad and I don't like who I am on keto. I, I miss so many things. And so every time I hear keto in a community or on a podcast or on a Facebook group, I cringe and I like turn the other way. And I'm like, no, I don't have to do keto. I don't, I'm going to do this. I'm going to listen to the books that, you know, fast, feast, repeat, delay, don't deny Jackie on YouTube. I'm going to believe in this and see what happens. And it's working for me just to give you an example. And I don't do this. I mean, I, I most, I, I eat, I follow her book. Her book says, eat your healthy food first, eat what your body wants. That's wholesome, you know, eat your meal and then eat the Reese's pie at the end, you know, don't open with a Reese's pie. Um, so I'm not being careless, but just to give you an idea, like, I eat my normal healthy meal every day. And then um, my kid and I wanted to go see the new avatar. And I, I know my life is geared around my OMAD. So he was like, well, we need to go to a matinee because um, that's your eating window. And um, I chose, I love lunch. 
I love lunch because I, by the time I wake up, I'm already 18, 19 hours into a fast. And I love to have most of my life fasted. But the number one reason I love an early eating window is because as a diabetic, that feeling that you get in the, that morning feeling that like dawn phenomena, that is just agonizing. And as much food, as much as I can get as far away from food as I possibly can close to my morning, the happier I am, if that makes any sense. Yeah, I agree. And for as a type one, I think that makes sense too. I try to close, you know, right after lunch, my eating window, because I, I like to get as much food as out of my system as possible before the overnight, because you're right. And then your dawn phenomenon is that much worse if you have food in your system. So, but you know, obviously everybody has a different schedule. Some people can't do it with work and stuff. I understand, but in an ideal situation, I think for people with diabetes, both type one and type two, if you can keep your eating window earlier, you do yourself a lot of favors because you really, and also you have a chance if you're monitoring your blood sugar, you can see what's happening during the rest of the day with what you ate and see when it's basically out of your system. And I don't, that was another question I had for you. Are you monitoring your blood sugar at all? You are? Do you have Every a continuous glucose monitor? No, you- that is, um, I, I, oh, I didn't mean to interrupt you. That is actually on my list. I, I'm looking for one. Do you recommend one? I think Jackie gave me a code for one. So I think I'm going to buy that one. But if you have a code or a recommendation, I, I, I am going to invest in one. I mean, I think Dexcom is, you know, the best continuous glucose monitor, but I think it's more expensive than like the Libre. Uh, mm-hmm. I haven't really priced out the Libre because I've just been using Dexcom, <laughs> but for your purposes, you probably could do something a little less expensive since you're not, you know, dosing insulin off of it. For example, you're just yeah. doing it for information purposes, but if your insurance covers it, I think Dexcom makes probably the best CGM on the market. That's what I've heard. I think the other one that you mentioned is the one that I have the code for. It's like 20% off. So I think it would, it'd be pretty affordable, but I, I do plan on getting that because as it stands, I'm pricking my finger every day because my doctor asked me to. Um, How many times a day are you doing it? I only do it 90 minutes after I wake up every morning. That's it. Now, every, when I have a really good reading, which has been lately, um, for the past about two months, it's been really good. Um, I'll get excited. And I try to test it in the evening before bed, just because I'm charting and I'm trying to see, that's why I want the constant glucose monitor because I'm seeing, I, I, I enjoy as an example, I, um, the, the avatar day avatar. I told my, my family, I said today, I'm not eating a meal. I'm going to eat a movie, movie meal. So I ate a large popcorn with all the butter. I ate an icy, I ate peanut M&Ms. And then on the way home, I got pizza from pizza hut. That was what we, we had. And the next day, my, my reading was two points lower than it was the day before where I had had two salads that two days before. So Hmm. that's why I want the blood glucose monitor because I'm, there are chapters in Jen's books. I'm sure you're familiar where it talks about this, where you're going to start to see the prolonged benefits of the autophagy and the healing that are taking place over the single insulin spikes, which is what's happening to me now. And I'm also being, I'm starting to experience the, uh, appetite correction, like crazy. Yeah. Well, I want to, um, just circle back to that point real quick. So if you have a day like that, obviously you've done a lot of repair to your pancreas and it's functioning better. But if you were to eat like that every day, your diabetes would be back in full force in no time. And like, just to put a finer point on that, like people that are listening, not everybody will have the same experience as you, where you can just eat carbs and still have maintain your blood sugar. Some people, they just can't because they're pancreas may be damaged to a point where they really need a lot more and they just need to be really strict on the keto as, as I know it can be a lot of work and not fun, but sometimes that's like the only answer to kind of repair things. But for you, you know, it's amazing. And like Jen Stevens talks about this a lot. Um, you know, you're, uh, an N of one, a study of one. So, you know, that this works for you, you know, your body, everybody knows their body. So that's great that you were able to, you know, you're, you're able to tinker with it a little bit. The only thing I would say is if you get the continuous glucose monitor and even before you might want to try testing your blood sugar after you do, like after you had that day where you saw the movie or, you know, after you finished eating that piece of pizza and see what's happening. And then maybe two hours later, see what's happening. Cause I bet you your blood sugar was high. It may have come down, but it could have easily gone up to 250 for an hour and you didn't even know it before it came down. 
So you'll, you'll get more information when you have that, that CGM going. Yes. I'm so glad you mentioned that because one of the things I asked my doctor when I saw her in January, she asked, well, are you do, you're doing keto again, aren't you? And I was like, no, actually. And I told her about everything. She said, well, whatever you're doing, it's working. But she did say, um, you might think about, she was one who plugged, planted that seed is maybe you think about what your foods are doing, but she was happy because she knew how sad I was doing keto. Um, but, uh, but on, but some other idea, like today I'm making, um, homemade tacos, and, um, I think that's all I've planned out. I try to plan my, I notice when I'm about 17 or 18 hours deep into my fast food starts to kind of sound good. Um, I don't really, you know, it's brilliant about this clean fasting lifestyle. And I'm telling you, I know everyone says this, but I am on fire for this lifestyle and I will never not live this life. I've never, I mean, I felt good on keto, but I felt hungry. I mean, I wanted chocolate. I wanted a kind bar. I wanted yogurt because I was constantly spiking that insulin every time I sipped my electrolytes or had a protein shake. But now, I mean, I will, I did a, the 72 hour challenge that everyone was doing and it wasn't a challenge. I was like, woohoo, let's do, let's go a hundred days. Let's go a hundred hours or whatever. I mean, it felt so good because you're not hungry. You're not craving anything, but I'm a foodie. And at the end of the day, my mind comes back to, okay, it's time to eat. I listened to some people on your podcast that do the three hour ADF or two hour. I don't, it's a world I don't care to understand. It's way over my head, but I understand and respect and appreciate those people because they're doing it to maintain their blood sugar. And I understand that, but I feel so blessed that I don't have to go to that extreme level of autophagy to, to be able to live a non-diabetic life. Yeah, you're lucky. And so tell me about your, you're hinting about appetite correction. You want to tell me what that's looked like for you? Yeah, it's funny. When I read Jen's book, I'm like, okay, I know Jackie says, you know, and she's, uh, you can eat, you know, whatever you enjoy eating, you know, but she, she's a foodie too. So she eats like, like me, like we'll have, I'll have Brussels sprouts and like a vegan piece of fish or something. And we even have a seafood vegan restaurant here in Dallas. True story. I'm telling you, we have it all. So, um, I, the first two weeks, this is a true story. I was like, oh, I can have everything I want. I didn't want to do this. I didn't want to diet, but I was going to for my family. I wanted to make a difference. And so the first two weeks, I legitimately went to all my favorite vegan restaurants that I never went to before, because in the back of my mind, I would deprive myself. Oh, I'm not going to have this because I'm, I need to be healthier, but then I would go and overindulge. And that was the problem. I was constantly eating. I was probably eating Aside from sleeping, I was probably, I was probably eating literally 90% of the time I was awake in some form or fashion, whether it was drinking, you know, something or snacking, or I got to the point where I was so bad where I had candy in my car and I was just eating food. Like I was in a movie as I was driving to work. I mean, it was out of control. I was out of control. So I go, Oh, I can have whatever I want. I'm going to go to all my favorite. I was like vegan Chinese, vegan seafood, vegan Chipotle, all this stuff for two weeks. And I was, I mean, you're getting pretty healthy stuff there. I mean, it's all vegan for one, but you're getting all this great stuff. But I was eating out for two weeks and I lost like all the inflammation was probably about 15, 16 pounds in that two weeks. And I know that's inflammation, but still, um, and I felt amazing. And before I knew it, I was like, no, I want Brussels sprouts and I want kale. And it just, that started to happen about, so about, I don't know, 50 days in about halfway through. And I, and then I didn't have an appetite at all. And then I started to talk to, um, a therapist actually. And I asked her, you know, it, what do you think about this? I'm, I'm not, my relationship with food was always so, I mean, growing up, I, um, I correlate everything in my mind to a good time with my family, my friends, my loved ones through food. I'm Hispanic. Everything we do is through food. Everything like someone dies. Let's eat. Someone gets married. Let's eat. It's Sunday. Let's eat. It's Wednesday. Let's eat. Like everything is food. And so it was really hard for people. It's hard for me to explain this to people that don't understand, but my best friend was food. Like my greatest companion was food. Like when I had, yeah, I get to see some girlfriends I haven't seen in a long time. That was fun. But in the back of my mind, I was like focused on what was I going to eat there? Like I was more excited about going to see my nieces that I hadn't seen in three months 
because we got to go have Mexican food together. You know, I was more excited about the food always over everything. And so this has introduced me for the first time in my life, even more than because keto didn't do this keto. He, I lost the weight and I healed, but didn't do this. It's given me a healthy control over my life and a healthy relationship with food. I mean, I had a, a recent family vacation where I went to Florida for a week um, at Chris at New Year's time. So like right after Christmas and it was like food, food, food. And I didn't get excited about, oh, we're going to have this or we're going to have that or we're going to have waffles or quesadillas. I was just happy to sit and talk to my family. And it was like a, the girl in the bubble, like the bubble was gone. And I was, I was like, I was underwater before. And there was this film between me and the rest of the world where it was me and food and everyone is out there. Does that, I mean, that's how. That totally makes sense. That happened to me too. And it's, it's a bizarre feeling. I used to be obsessed with food like you, like thinking about what's going to be there. What kind of food are they going to have? Like just very excited about restaurants and just, you know, looking at scope. Like now I scope out the rest menus at restaurants more. Cause I want to see like, is it going to be a, a food that I'm going to want for this one meal a day because you know I'm not eating the rest of the day so like I want to make sure that there's something there that's going to satisfy me but I'm not looking like and then I'm gonna order this and that and just like you know just like a crazy person just anticipating this meal so much um it's like totally different and I couldn't agree with you more and you might even be surprised to find that your relationship with food continues to evolve because I used to when I started I had a lot of desserts in my eating window and I I was I know I've, I've really switched to very low carb now, but I didn't start out that way. I was like low ish carb, but not really depending on the day. So I, you know, I had bread in my house. I had rice. I, I ate all those things in the beginning of, um, when I started intermittent fasting, which was, you know, in August, 2021. So, but over time it evolved to the point where I don't eat rice. I don't eat bread anymore. I don't, I just don't crave that stuff anymore. So you, you might surprise yourself and evolve back into, you might not call it keto. You might call it just low carb or something, but you might evolve back into that at some point. Now, I, I think you're 100% correct because going back to the appetite correction, that's slowly what's happening to me. Like, is like you said, I mean, I, I literally look forward to seeing my friend and I'm creating, I used to never schedule an activity that didn't have to do with food. And now I'm like, let's go swimming. There will be no food involved, but let's, that'll be really fun. I'm looking forward to it. Let's go on this hike no food involved. I'm not thinking about what electrolyte sweet drink I'm going to take or what kind of kind bar I'm going to nibble on. I'm just focused on the person and the activity. And I feel so much more connected to everything. And you're right. I'm going like, I, I thought, okay, I'm planning tomorrow. I'm, I'm 18 hours into a fast. So I'm planning my meal for tomorrow. I might want to have I don't know, lasagna or pasta. But the next day when it comes down to it, I'm like making sauteing greens and and I want like fresh lemon on a bed of kale. And that, that's all I want. So you, I mean, appetite correction is a very authentic, real thing. And it's happening to me. And um, I, though I do say to myself, and I think it's a lot of, it's a mind game. I mean, I say, April, you can have this Reese's pie. And I'm not kidding. I would have eaten half a pie before or maybe the whole pie. And my pie is, you know, like, you know, the people at the party that say, I just want a skinny piece. That's my, my pie by choice. Now, like my kid teases me, we'll go, my, my appetite correction is hilarious at restaurants now because we, we have a favorite pizza chain here called Perry's and they have like pretzels with beer cheese and mozzarella sticks and they have cheese and they have, and uh, they have all the stuff that you might want. And they have all the vegan stuff that you might want. They have it all. And um, you go, used to, I'd go and we'd get like a pizza and an appetizer. But now I'm not kidding. I'll order four appetizers, no pizza, get a salad, which is my favorite appetizer, and eat the salad and like maybe take one or two nibbles of each appetizer. And the waitress is looking at me like, you're a pig. Like, why are you ordering all of this? But then it, it's all boxed up and goes home or my kid eats it or it just, you know, whatever. Um, but uh, and I'll order a dessert always at a restaurant. I never not order a dessert and we'll order one of my kids like, man, why do you order these? Like you never eat the dessert. You take like two bites, but it's just knowing that I can have it. That feels so good. And you're right. I mean, I am saying I'm eating all these desserts and I am, but I might have a candy or a half a cookie or two bites of a pie versus, you know, 
the whole thing. I want to talk to you in a year and then find out if things have changed. Cause I, I wouldn't be surprised if they do. And plus, once you get that continuous glucose monitor and you actually see what that stuff is doing to your blood sugar, you might be like, eh, it's not worth it. <laughs> yes. I think you're right. My, my uncle just passed away from, um, diabetes complications and my godfather is suffering diabetes complications. So diabetes runs in my family. And, um, he was my grandmother's, my biological maternal grandmother's brother. And she doesn't have diabetes by the grace of God, but most of her brothers do type. I need to research if there's some connection in male Hispanic genes and female Hispanic genes, because it seems like only our Hispanic male family has it. I need to look into that, but, um, I'm, I'm so in the back of my mind, I know diabetes is out to get me. So I, I think, I mean, I, I, even though I don't ever want to do keto or low carb or diet ever again, I do want to be smart and I want to be here, you know, for the long haul, but I do feel that I've found a lifestyle that I'm elated about that I can continue to enjoy for the rest of my life without feeling deprived. That's so great. And, you know, it's ironic because, you know, I talked to so many people on this podcast and I find that people are actually healthier after they get diabetes than they were beforehand. Isn't that funny? That is so funny. I was just saying that to my friend. I have a skinny friend who went to the ER because her blood sugar was like over 800 and they rushed her to the ER. She almost fainted. She was practically in a diabetic coma and they pumped her full of insulin at the doctor's office, at the hospital. They had no right doing that. So she went to her primary care physician a week later. They took her off the insulin. They wanted to put her on metformin. She's doing diet and exercise, but she's a skinny type two diabetic. So just so uncanny. The world of diabetes is so uncanny. Yeah. You never know. I mean, wow. 800. I'm, I'm not surprised he gave her insulin. She was very close to the edge there. That's a very, very, very high blood sugar. I, I was got, when I got diagnosed when I was 17, I think I was, my blood sugar was 600 something. And I, I had my, my uh, roommate in college at the time, walk me to the hospital. Cause I was like, I'm not, I might fall asleep or something on the way. Like you literally you're, you're gone, you know, when your blood sugars are that high. Wow. Yes. You, it's the worst feeling. I haven't had that experience, but having it as high as I have it, it's the worst experience, but my doctor is going to see me at a six month mark. Um, so because she wants, she knows what happened to me before and she wants to keep a close eye on me. So she is going to, and then I am, I'm definitely going to be doing the, the glucose monitor. Um, I'm sick of pricking myself. So I'm really looking forward to it because you don't have to prick yourself anymore. Right. Isn't that? No, I mean, only time is when you change out the monitor. The the one thing I'll tell you though, is you do. And I, I, I've heard, and this is only what I've heard that the Libre is a little less accurate. So you may just want to double check with a finger stick. And sometimes even with Dexcom, I'm like, that reading doesn't seem right somehow. So it's not like you're going to totally get away from them. So don't throw away your, your strips and all that stuff. But um, yeah, it'll cut down on that significantly. Okay. That's yeah. I'm looking forward to that. I'm just really looking forward to um, I'm like I said, I'm charting every day, my next goal. So I'm at 233 today. My next goal, I have baby goals, baby steps. So mm -hmm. people keep, keep asking like, Oh, what's your final goal? You're going to get down to 150 pounds. I'm like, I, I can't even wrap my brain around that. Um, for me, my next goal is to, to hit the 50 pounds loss mark. So um, I'm super excited, but I would love to, yeah, I'm, I'm really excited to hit the one year. I mean, I was happy like four month celebration, but you know, there are girls on the, the Facebook page, like celebrating three years and five years. So I cannot, and that makes me feel good because it means that other people are living this for the long haul, but yeah, yeah, absolutely. And actually I was excited to talk to you because I've, I've talked to a lot of people that have been doing this for a long time. It's really nice to get the perspective of somebody that is kind of at the beginning, more yeah. at the beginning than, yeah, <laughs> yeah, yeah. So, and I wouldn't, how tall are you? Oh, I'm five, three. Okay. So five, three and two eighty was where I started this journey on September 19th. Yeah. I mean, I know you think that getting down to 150 is like completely absurd, but it really could happen. You'll, I, I far surpassed what my, my quote unquote goal weight was through That's this lifestyle. Remarkable. It's remarkable to even think I can't even, I don't even dare consider it yet. Um, I know that the doctor told me that if I get below 168, I'm no longer considered obese. 
And so I guess in the back of my mind, if you ask me my big dream goal, it would be to hit 168, but I can't even imagine getting into like Wonderland right now. Like I've been in the two hundreds for so long. I can't even imagine. Well, you know what? It's interesting you say that because I think there's a lot of mental blocks that come with, with weight loss. Like you're just like, Oh my God. And you know, I can't hit that number. That would be just totally crazy. And you, you almost like sabotage yourself when you get close to it. Don't mm-hmm. sabotage yourself. Just okay. through. Push okay, through. I, had thought about it. It does, I know because I can't even think, I can't even think about it, but I will say this, the NSVs are off the charts. Like the cirrhosis is gone. The skin tags are falling off. I can do things. I can cross my legs left and right and double cross them. I couldn't even cross my legs. I know it sounds like su- such a menial thing, but it's huge. I can fly up and down stairs at work, carrying all my gear. People are always like, let me carry that for you. And I'm like, no, thanks. I've got it. I mean, I, I can, I'm feeling I'm not achy. My inflammation is just completely gone. And I am, I can, I can touch my toes. I can like, I mean, I can just do all the things. Every single thing I do in life has improved. I really feel that I have been given a new lease on my life. I mean, I was dying. I was five, three, 280, so inflamed. I could barely move around. I have received so much healing through this and the loss of inflammation is remarkable. I, I heard someone on your podcast the other day talking about how, I think it was your podcast, the water, was it y'all talking about the water? I, when I say I'm obsessed with water people, and now, now that I've, I'm listening to all of you guys talk about diabetes, it's, it's a, it's a symptom of diabetes. Like I'm in, so in love with water. I'm like, mm, this water is just so good. Oh, this water just tastes so good. And people are like, you are crazy. What's wrong with you? But it's the diabetes. It's not. Oh yeah. It's diabetes all the way. Yeah. That's how, that's how I felt. And that's one of my blood sugar. That's another way I know my blood sugar is high. And I'm like, oh, I'm so thirsty. I really would love to have some water. And it's like, that's not really a normal thing for most people to say. <laughs> I know people are like, that's so weird, but I'm, I'm, I definitely have faith. I'm going to stick with this for like, I have no doubt. Like this is just who I am now. I'm loving it, but I am interested. And I do chart. Um, I don't chart like my exact foods, but I chart, like if I had something in excess, um, I chart that. Um, I don't know if ADF will ever be a thing for me. I did try a meal this Monday. Um, I've tried, tried four. I don't, I'm people say, if you do it, it, it bumps, it boosts your metabolism, but I have not, I've yet to see that. All it does is make me gain more weight. So I don't know. <laughs> it's the they, next day. It's, it's whatever works for you. If you don't like it, you don't like it. I don't do it that often. I do it sometimes, but it's not like, you know, a consistent thing that I do. So if, we could if you're not into it. Right. If we could just do the down day without the up day, I'd be great. But you know, <laughs> apparently that's sabotage. So um, before we come up on time, I want to leave you a little bit of an opportunity to tell me, you know, I'm, I love your story because you're still so new into this and it's fresh in your mind of what, you know, you've been going through for somebody that's newly diagnosed with either pre-diabetes or type two, how, what would you, do you have any recommendations for them, for them to get their health back on track? Like first steps, things like that. Yeah. Do not get it. Do not allow yourself to succumb to denial. I, when I say I was in denial, I truly mean I was in denial. I mean, take control. We have to take control of our lives immediately. And we can't listen to just, I mean, yes, the medical professionals are there. They're a tool in our toolbox. I appreciate that. But we have to take, I mean, we are the only ones who can be our, our advocates for ourselves. And we have to find what works for us, explore what's out there. I mean, like I said, I found Jason Fung, I found Thomas Delore and then Jen Stevens and then this, all of these communities and then lean heavily on the communities. I could not have done any of this. I can't, I, I, without you guys, without this community. I mean, and it's funny, I've paid all the money for all the diets out there but I've never had a community like this one. I mean, this is the best community I've ever discovered. I love that. And you are hundred percent right. The community makes it work and it keeps you accountable and, you know, it celebrates your successes and all of that stuff. So I agree with you. And that's, that's great. And I can't wait to see where you are in a year's time, because I have a feeling that you are going to far surpass any of the goals that you have set for yourself. 
Thank you. I'm so excited. I can't even see, I can't even see that far ahead, but I'm positive about it. I'm looking forward to it. Great. Well, thank you so much for your time, April. It's been such a pleasure speaking to you. Likewise. I love your show. Thank you so much for having me. Thanks so much for listening. I hope you enjoyed the show. If you did, don't forget to rate and review the podcast. And if you're interested in being a guest, please email me at fastlifewithdiabetes at gmail.com. Thanks so much. Have a great day.